0: This is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. I was fortunate to experience Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind during previews at Epcot, and so I'm excited to share the entire experience with you. We'll go into depth on the entire layout of this attraction and without sharing too many details of the story, what you'll experience as you move throughout. This has an impressive queue, but nothing holds a light when it com- when it compares to the ride experience. We'll talk about why this is really a fantastic roller coaster experience. We'll compare it to other attractions not only at Epcot, but at Walt Disney World and even beyond. Moreover, I'll discuss how it compares to Tron light cycles coming to the Magic Kingdom. Having done both, I'm excited to share my insights on what works and what doesn't, and why you should probably want to put Guardians of the Galaxy on your next Walt Disney World Epcot visit. By the way, we're not intending to give out any spoilers here, um, but... My, my purpose is to make a case as to why you may or may not want to visit this attraction. and That means offering a lot of really important details that make this ride what it is. I think you'll enjoy it and I think it'll make you excited for Cosmic Rewind. Um, now, just so you know, uh, we have an outline as well as photos, as well as videos and links disneyatplay.com. So while you're there make sure you uh, go ahead and, uh, and uh, uh, make sure you are subscribed to disneyatplay.com and as well make sure you're subscribed in the uh, provider that you are listening to. Uh, we have several providers whether it's iTunes, Podbean, uh, Spotify and so forth. So check that out and make sure you are subscribed. Now, I have to be very honest, I'm not so sure that I was really that excited about this attraction. In fact, I probably came in with low expectations, which may have influenced um, my experience. I wasn't the world's biggest universe of energy fan, but I am astonished that we lost those dinosaurs apparently they, their remains are crushed up and put into the the pedestal as you arrive and and see the um the novacore star blaster in front of the building uh, the building has always had a very unique impressive shape to it little surprise that there are not solar panels with so many solar panels around, um, Walt Disney World. Little surprised that there are not any. Um, and so I had just a lot of mixed feelings coming into this. I knew that it, ne- that Epcot needed an attraction like this, but I wasn't sure in my mind whether this was, um, this was the attraction for it. Uh, notwithstanding, I will say that this is, uh, during the day i don't think the building um looks all that great it's okay the nova's core star blaster in the front um i have to admit that is an impressive um feature they took out the water element that used to be in the universe of energy in front i think that's a that's a miss uh, because i think that was beautiful and and um, added that reflection point. What I will tell you is that at night, this is stunning. This is a much more beautiful attraction at night than it has ever been. And with it and connections, and with the rest from Test Track to, to Mission, I mean, the whole thing just looks. This is a beautiful corner of the park at night. Watch the monorail come by day or night. That's always impressive. But um, boy, the whole, and the, you know, the monorails are lit from underneath. It, at night, this is a beautiful time. And if you had a choice of when to go, I would choose the evening. It's just, it's an impressive time uh, to get there. By the way, as I mentioned in my previous podcast, the best way to access it is to head through Connections. It um, leads you, the first door on the left just leads you right down uh, uh, a uh, pathway that takes you right out to uh the universe uh the universe of energy well (laughs) guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind and i apologize if i say also guardians of the galaxy mission breakout i'm so used to referring to that attraction at disney california adventure that i fear that i'm going to do it again but we will uh i will talk about that later um because i think it's an important uh piece to compare now Uh, The attraction is going to open up as a virtual queue. And I know that there are a lot of people who are not big fans of the virtual queue. And I don't blame you because it means you are out if you didn't get that reservation. I will say as a coaster, I think this one is going to be able to handle a lot of guests during the day. But I will also tell you that um, the attraction could break down in its early stages often, and because of that, it may be very painful to restart. I should mention that as we queued through the attraction um, the other day the other day, that we got right toward the beginning of the pre-show area when the whole thing s- stopped. Now, I'm not actually sure that if it was running and then it had stopped, or that they hadn't really opened it for this special preview group. And by the way, my great thanks to uh, my friends who made that possible. I, you know who you are, and I appreciate it. And it was just, it was just great to be with you as well as to experience this attraction. One member in this attraction did not has a real problem with with uh, roller coasters and how it um, affects her and uh curiously she wrote it twice uh well actually I went she went on a third time and I would have gone on a third time too except because we had been sitting there so long we um I had to go on to another um event that I was scheduled to um but it made me realize as I was sitting there that really unloading this attraction from that big show building that is so enormous in the parking lot, um, that, that may take a while to unload. And I could easily see that when the ride has to really stop, it could be really stopped for an hour and 15, hour and a half trying to get everybody down and off the attraction and retesting and reopening. It could be a little painful initially so I, I just want to put that header out there. And I also mention it because in tandem with the virtual queue, there is no hope of shade outside the old universe of energy building. And to stand out there would be absolutely the most miserable experience possible. So I'm hoping that the virtual queue means that you get to walk in immediately to uh, some wonderful air conditioning and, uh, and appreciate the queue, which is a great queue. And I should also mention that um, I I had a chance to queue both in the standard queue and then also what would be the um, lightning lane select or the old um, what we would have referred to as um, a fast pass queue. And um, boy, you you see a little bit of the Galaxarium that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but. You bypass most everything and you get right on that ride um, when you are part of the select pass. So uh, again, the virtual queue is one opportunity, but also choosing to go um, do a lightning lane select pass, which I assume is going to be available as part of this. And will I'm, I will tell you, I think it is so worth it. The only disappointing thing is I think so much of the queue is worth it too. And so I would I would go with the virtual queue first if I could, if you could get into it. Um, and that doesn't mean that you won't be standing in line for a little while in the virtual queue uh, as well. So it, you have to, but, but the indoor um, portion, the Galaxarium is probably the biggest portion of the indoor queue. It kind of winds around a centerpiece that projects out into the galaxy and showcases galaxies, and and I would probably say if there is uh, an educational aspect to this attraction, uh, it would be here. The premise is is that the f- folks at Zandar is going are going are here to give you a um, um, a other world showcase kind of experience where you see worlds beyond separating it theoretically from mission space, which is part of our own galaxy. This is going light years away to another galaxy. In fact, uh, what makes that possible is part of the the storyline of this. If, if there's an educational aha out of this experience, it would probably be um, that the universe is really, 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 really big. That probably is the big educational takeaway take from this. Um, it looks high tech. It looks futuristic. It looks it looks beautiful inside, and and the Galaxarium looks looks really fun to kind of um, um, enjoy and kind of see that ongoing show there. But at the end of the day, it. Um, the educational takeaway is a little bit on the limited side, and I would say is probably the one thing that's disappointing about this attraction. From there, you emerge into what's called the Xandar Gallery. Again, only possible on this, on this regular queue or the virtual queue. The Xandar Gallery is going to show you lots of different models of uh, the city of Xandar, uh, of ships, of uh, uniforms, just uh, different. Actually, the first portion of it has a has a kind of a really cool city of Xandar and and projection mapping that's been laid on it. Plus all these different models. The second half of this section um, brings you to some interviews that are made of each of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh and they're and it's very funny and it's very cute. Um, probably the most uh, interesting moment in this is Peter Quill relates as to why Zendar is doing this with him. Well, first of all, Zandar sees them as great, 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 great heroes. And so they are more than willing to do anything for them. Well, let's do an exhibit at Epcot and Peter Quill. If you remember the 2019 D23, we saw a little picture of Peter at Epcot as a little boy. Theoretically, before he was abducted by by aliens, and uh, and and so you see Peter Quill talking about, oh yeah, I love Epcot. I am so excited to go back. There's horizons, and there's the dinosaurs in the universe of energy, and then there's my favorite, which is veggie veggie, fruit fruit. I am so excited to see it all, and of course. Um, This is all very, this is, this is very humorous because none of these attractions no longer exist. And so it's, but it's a backhanded, it's a backhanded piece of humor because on the other hand, these, none of these attractions exist. And that's kind of what makes the whole thing kind of sad. But um, notwithstanding, you are in this queue and uh, you'll spend your time kind of weaving th- in and out of that. And then you are led into um, a set of pre-shows. One will kind of be a foyer area that kind of lines you up and and, and assembles you to go into the first one. And there in the first one, um, you're gonna get an overview of what's going to happen with Glenn Close. And also, uh, Terry Crews shows up here, former defensive and Uh, and Linebacker, Um, and they're going to kind of give you an overview of what's uh, going to occur, particularly with the Cosmic Generator. The Cosmic Generator is going to allow you to jump uh, light years from one world to the other, and they're going to give you a demonstration of what that looks like as they beam you up to a ship which goes into the next room. It's there where things go wrong and where you are introduced, and I can't, E-S-O-N, Asan E-E-San, the Celestial, you're going to meet up with this individual um, as you come into this third open space. Now, I I will have to tell you that probably a lot of people, in the sound of my voice, have not watched the Eternals. And I don't blame you because it's not the Avengers. But on its own merit, it still has a lot of value to it. And moreover, it introduces you to this idea of the Celestials and who they are. And I think they're going to keep showing up. So if, if there's, besides watching Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, probably a really good thing to do is to watch the Eternals to get a sense of who this guy is, because he's going to uh, create a little bit of havoc in in our universe as as we know it. So so just be aware of that as you go into it. Now, from there, um, uh, Rocket's going to come up with a great solution by which we are going to save um, the galaxy and, uh, and deal with everything. So we are going to go board these, uh, these passenger vehicles to help out with the mission. And so we exit from this third assembly room and go down a series of hallways. And let me just say, I originally thought, how is it, this, this you could put a small coaster, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have a lot of height, but you could put a small coaster inside the universe of energy. There's a lot of space in that first triangular type shape building. So how is it that they're utilizing all the space when the coaster portion is in this big blue building off to one end. And let me tell you, I, I was amazed how, how much space there was and where it really shows is as you come down these hallways, you emerge into a space, you come down this, this centerpiece hallway ramp and you can see on both sides loading areas for the coaster. And that is, it's very cool. It's very similar to Tron. Tron allows you the same experience and in fact has a very special effect um, for showcasing this. In this case, you just kind of come into it. A lot of reds, a lot of purples, a lot of blues. And, it's, and you're kind of, you descend into this loading area where you're assigned to one side or the other. And then you're assigned to a seat. And these... Uh, these ships are just constantly coming in one after the other. So there's not a lot of wait time here. People were moving through um, pretty well through this space. I will say that each train has two rows. Well, each train has four cars and each car has two rows. You should know that the second row sits higher than the first row. So you're not obstructed by, um, by people in front of you too much. So that's one thing you should know. The, the other thing you should know is that there is no overhead bar and there are no seat belts. This is a pull-down bar, uh, similar to Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride, only this pull-down bar actually has some width to it. One of the things that I absolutely hate about the Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride is that the pull-down bar is very narrow, and is frankly painful for people who have long legs or who have wider legs to be able to sit in them during the duration when this thing when when that coaster goes back and forth. So this I gotta tell you, this is probably one of the most comfortable coasters I have ever sat in, and uh, it is a great coaster vehicle and it's going to play out even more so when we get going on the ride, because the the ride itself is smooth. I'm telling you of all the coasters I have ever been on, and I am not the biggest coaster fan, but definitely of the coasters, it's a little more like Seven Dwarfs, but because the vehicle is so well-shaped itself, it even feels smoother as you ride through it. It has a, there is not a jerking motion. There is not this, yeah, I think my back is going out like Matterhorn bobsleds or Space Mountain. This is a very smooth ride experience. And I can't emphasize that enough because again, talking about my host, she was able to, you know, this was one of the things that helped her make this ride more reasonable for her. And I think it's going to make it more reasonable for a lot of people who tend to think, oh, big coaster, I'm not sure I can ride. I was surprised that it didn't do more in terms of making her dizzy. She has some, some particular eye issues and I'm surprised it didn't do more of that, but it didn't. And honestly, I think you're going to be surprised that the coaster does what it does. We have a little video from Disney on it on the site. You can take a look at it. Um, now, what really makes this interesting is that it has an Omnimover feature. And mind you, uh, you, you remember that uh, Disney promises coasters from time to time to do certain things. Like the coaster at Seven Dwarfs, supposed to rock back and forth. You don't really feel much of that rocking motion. So when they kind of said, this is going to be like an omni-mover, like when you move through the Haunted Mansion and how it'll turn to face what you're looking at. Well, what it essentially does is it gives you a feeling like you're in your own ship. So people who feel like at Expedition Everest, hey, I got to go be in the front so I get the best view and I'm right there. You do not need to be in the front row to really feel um, like you're front and center of this. The omnimover effect makes everybody feel that they are front and center, and so I love that aspect. Beyond that, uh, it it um, takes stars in space mountain to another level, um, and gives you a feeling you're in the universe to to a much more high tech uh, place. The physical props. Oh my goodness, the physical props are impressive. I don't want to give them away. I think uh, they were a surprise to me because I hadn't seen any videos. I just think they're cool. And and so they're a nice part of it. Uh, The projection imagery, you should expect it to be used. Um, At times it seems a little too squared off. It seems a little bit more like I'm watching a screen and not a projection. And so that was probably the one little disappointment I had. I should also say that everything here in this attraction, everything is a projection. Unlike, for instance, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout at Disney California Adventure, when you're in what was the former library of the Tower of Terror, you see Rocket kind of... um, moving around and taking matters into his own hands as an animatronic. You don't have an animatronic in this experience. I don't think that's a real loss. And I think other than Rocket or Groot, we would be staring at the more human uh, characters or um, more facial characters of Guardians of the Galaxy and thinking this is not working. And I don't want to back, Projection kind of view like we do with Anna and Elsa at Frozen. So, so I think that um, I I think that uh, it's okay that they don't have the animatronics. Um, uh, what I will say, and what makes this so much fun, is the the music. There are six pieces of music: September, Disco Inferno conga everybody wants to rule the world i ran and one way or another if i could choose which one i wanted to ride on it would have been everybody wants to rule the world and i would have made conga second and lo and behold that's exactly what happened to me i ended up with everybody wants to rule the world and the second one being conga and it was so much fun and the different pieces of music makes this rewritable in an amazing way. <clears throat> you feel like you are just dancing in the stars with this music going. It is it is a glorious feeling. And for those of you who think that Disney has forgotten you older people, you're gonna love the fact that you're gonna know these, these songs and you're gonna be able to rock out to them. It is so much fun that I, I can't tell you the smile and the joy I felt on this attraction. It was so great. You eventually, the length of the attraction, I don't know that the length of the time length of the attraction was much longer. Once you started going up, which goes up quickly, and once you you finally finish and break, I don't know that it, um, and there's pre-show in, on the ride and post-show on the ride, a little bit of post-show, but quite a bit of pre-show on the ride before you go up into the galaxy. So that too was, you kind of go up and then, I don't want to give away too much, but just know that there's there's show in the ride as well as during the ride, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, in fact, at the post-show, I have to tell you, there's a very funny line. Um, where one of them says, um, um, uh, one of them says, you're all heroes. Thanks for being a hero. And, and the one guy goes, how could they be a hero? Look how they're dressed. (laughs) It's just, it's just great. Great sense of humor where it's used. Um, and, but uh, anyway, going back to the length issue. So I think time-wise it felt like about the same, length of time, and I'll have to measure this as going on Space Mountain. But the soaring through space is so much faster and so much smoother and so much more whimsical that uh, it, it doesn't it, it, it just makes it a very different experience. I, the, you do not end this attraction, unlike others saying, is this it? this attraction feels just right for length and heaven knows it should be there's a lot of show building going on here for this ride um they've got this down to the right length and people it's just so much fun it is so enjoyable you disembark and you go into the treasures Zendar store i for whatever reason i think this had been opened earlier but it was not open when i got there The store, according to um, the Imagineers, the store is operated by The Broker, a proud Zandarian who has been awarded the contract and and brought part of his famous store here to Epcot. Some of the merchandise pays tribute to Zandar and items acquired throughout the galaxy. And of course, some items celebrate the heroes of Zandar, the guardians of the galaxy. The Broker also shared the following with uh, the... uh, Imagineering team recently. I am so delighted to bring my wares to the Wonders of Zandar Pavilion. As a proud Zandarian, it gives me great pleasures to present my planet to you, Terrans, and allow you to bring home a small bit of Zendar from my shop. Treasures of Zendar. I only hope that it brings our two cultures uh, that much closer together. Nice sentiment, by the way, because I think... Uh, Zach Ridley has said a lot about how he wants to bring people together at at, at Epcot and what that means and what that might look like. So at any rate, uh, I have seen images of the merchandise. It looks very cool and uh, I think that's going to be a fun ending as well to the entire attractions. So, wow. So when you think about doing a comparison, how does this compare to other things? Here's some issues you want to think about. The first is the intellectual property, This the story. For instance, Space Mountain really is not, there's not a story, there are not characters, there are not individuals. It is really just the concept of riding through space. Here we have brought not only um, characters and story into it, we have brought Marvel into the park into Walt Disney World in a major way that hasn't happened before. Um, Walt Disney World can't have the Avengers Campus that Hong Kong Disneyland and Disneyland Paris and Disney California Adventure have. So this is a pretty big moment. In fact, I, I couldn't help but think this morning, early as I was contemplating it, in the, over the weekend, Doctor Strange opened. Uh, when Doctor Strange originally opened, there was a couple of days or maybe a week or two that Disney tried to put Doctor Strange in the in the back corner of Disney's Hollywood Studios as sort of a meet and greet without much attention paid to it. it I don't even think it was announced. I think they were testing the water of what could be or couldn't be done at Walt Disney World with their current agreements with Um, Universal next door. Um, this gets around it because Guardians of the Galaxy isn't part of all the characters that make up, uh, the characters at Universal and it's a big presence. It is a huge presence. Um, thematic detail. Yeah. Um, The queue offers huge thematic detail, and as much as you can get on a coaster, they've done a great job of that as well. Again, projection doesn't always quite work for me, but what it does do is pretty good. Ride vehicle, size and height. I can't say enough about both it and the ride track and feel. This is where this attraction really soars. Um, the queuing experience, um, and the capacity issue. I think for a roller coaster, this is handling capacity as well as possible. The exit, by the way, is a separate place than the um, than the entrance. And if I'm correct, the exit is, there are two, um, two places you get off of the attraction to exit. Um, so again, keeping Keeping that whole show going as much as possible um, it, for the theoretical hourly ride capacity, this is going to be about as good as you can get on a roller coaster. And then beyond the ride, the queue, the gift shop, that type of thing, um, all of that is, is part of what you're comparing. So let me, let me just talk about first other Epcot attractions. Let's first talk about the universe of energy. I miss the dinosaurs. I miss the experience of looking at those gigantic beasts and no, dinosaur does not do that for me as an attraction, not in the same way Universe of Energy did, not in the same way that the primeval world does on the uh, Disneyland train. It is sad to miss that, but you'll recall that the whole Jeopardy, the movie thing and everything, the discussion ad nauseum, as entertaining as Ellen DeGeneres could make uh, and Bill Nye could make a conversation about energy, it was not a popular attraction and it this really this really takes things to another notch. In fact, if one of the problems here may be and it's a good problem to have is that it? You walk off of it and say, Boy, the rest of this attraction looks like it's in the 80s when this thing has jumped to well into the 2000s. Um, Spaceship Earth, I was it intended for a redo, and I was hesitant about it being redone, and now I'm thinking, Yeah with this new attraction spaceship earth needs to be redone i just wrote it last week it needs to be redone to make it as relevant as the look and feel that this attraction brings to what we don't call future world anymore but what still was supposed to be a fairly futuristic feeling kind of experience how does it compare to mission space well, if I had a choice between the two, you knew what you know which one I'm going to take. But that said, Mission Space is still a great attraction. It is a simulator attraction. It is high end, and it is so much more scientific, and and has so much to teach us about space and and what what that involves. And I think it's a, I think it's a complement to uh, to Guardians of the Galaxy. And so I don't think, and it's a different ride system. I think it's still worthy and adding their space Two Twenty restaurant. You're going to want to go on that all the more now that you've kind of done another space thing. I love the theme of space. If anything, I look at the Tomorrowlands of Disneyland and even the Magic Kingdom and say, man, this needs more of, that needs more of this. It really does. Um, it would not hurt to put a Guardians of the Galaxy ride like this into Disneyland, but to do so would be taking out something significant. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then how does it compare to the other attractions such as Soren or Frozen Ever After, or the new Ratatouille? Um, again, very different. Um, very different, but, and all of those are lesser now experiences than what has been added here, um, but uh, I think they are complementary to what has been added, or, 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 or to what is being given. Uh, I think this is the most perfect complement to the Epcot uh, attraction roster, uh, and I uh, it is surprising to me how how well this, as I see it, blend with with connections, uh, next door and with creations is the gift shop. It, it, there's a lot of good going on here. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, let me also talk about how it compares to other Walt Disney world coasters. Space mountain is still a great ride from a sentimental nostalgic point of view. But why anybody would wait over 10 to 15 minutes for Space Mountain after they have done this attraction? Uh, Yeah, that does not make sense to me. What does make sense is how Tokyo Disney has just announced a massive new Space Mountain attraction going into their park and how you can't help but kind of scratch your head and say, maybe as much as I love the architecture of this and would like to keep the architecture of the building, Maybe it is time for a very different ride experience in that, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, when Tron-like cycle shows up that it um, that it um, goes down and eventually is overhauled. That is a very big possibility. Uh, rock and roller coaster. So rock and roller coaster is uh, high on thrills, and the takeoff. You have a takeoff in both. But there is a very different experience in taking off. Even though you're backwards on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, Rock and Roller Coaster still is the thrill leader in the Disney um, collection, in my view. Um, and yet, this ride is what I love about it it's smoother than Rock and Roller Coaster. And not as, again, you feel a little tighter. It's a little bit. Um, the harness over the head, those kinds of things. Expedition Everest, uh, it is, that is a great attraction. We're gonna do a, a feature on that very soon. Um, I have to say there really is no attraction that themes like Expedition Everest. It is the leader on theming, in my view, of the roller coasters. I don't go to a roller coaster for theming, most people don't, but I do go to Disney parks for that thematic element. And so that matters to me. And I get that at Expedition Everest, Um, but the ride and and the ride is still a great one at Expedition Everest. It's probably been the best coaster in my mind. Um, Yeah, probably been the best coaster in my mind um, up until now, but that has changed that has changed. Outside the Universal Parks, again, I'm not a coaster person. I asked several, a couple of people who had done Jurassic Coaster, how do they compare? Jurassic Coaster obviously is more the thrill ride, but they themselves said if they had to come, if they had to choose one, they would have gone on Guardians of the Galaxy uh, as a ride. Because I think people at the end of the day, unless you're absolutely a thrill nut, Most everyone wants the total experience, not just the ride thrill. Tampa Bush Gardens, great, great coasters, big, lots of big coasters. SeaWorld has emerged with a new coaster and it has a number of coasters. And honestly, I got to a point, I think it was Rip Ride Rocket. uh, Is that the name of it over at Universal? When I saw that go up, I thought to myself, you know, I don't have to go on every coaster. From here on out, I don't have to prove anything anymore. At my age, I don't have to go on at all. Um, I will say that um, uh, this—I have to keep going on this ride. It is that good and that fun and that it that great. Um, and so that ha- is how it compares. And I will also say that Jurassic Coaster. I loved Hagrid's. I thought that was a very good coaster, especially from that thematic element. I thought they did a great job with that. Um, Jurassic Coaster was one of those I felt like I needed to draw the line. If Jurassic Coaster is as smooth as is uh, the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy coaster, I might just be tempted next time I'm in Universal to go on it, simply because something about a smooth coaster and flying through does make it really enjoyable. So I I could be talked into that possibly because I went on Guardians of the Galaxy. They're just doing a better job technology-wise with creating better coasters that don't put your back out. So um, let me do the last comparison. I think this is the most important comparison. You have a choice of two parks and two rides. You can go to Epcot Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, or you can go to the Magic Kingdom and do Tron Light Cycle. You can only, you choose between one of, only, only one of those two rides. Which would you choose? Well, having done multiple times the Tron Light Cycle, Let me tell you, this is hard. This is a hard decision. I'll I'll give you some comparative points. Tron light cycle at night, stunningly beautiful. Tron light cycle coming out from darkness into day, back into darkness because it goes outside and then comes back in. So very cool. Tron light cycle. In terms of feeling like you are on that light cycle, a sort of motorcycle kind of thing, and the feel of that, very cool. All that said and done, if the visual effects in the in the coaster and and the uh, and the pre-show and all those kinds of things are the same as they are at Shanghai Disney, hint you could make them better. Uh, you're going to be disappointed by Tron because thematically it does it Tron looks more thematically indoors to um to test track and all of its projections than anything else I can compare it to and it's cool and it's nice but it's not mission it, it is not cosmic rewind that is a disappointment. The other disappointment that I think people are going to be surprised by are the number of people who are not going to be qualified to ride that light cycle. If you are tall or big or just strangely shaped when it comes to legs, then, and if you've had trouble mounting the ride vehicle in um Pandora World of Avatar I would say um or the Avatar Flight of Pl- Passage I'm sorry uh Pandora Flight of Passage you are going to have difficulty mounting this one I being a tall and kind of big guy was disqualified the first time I rode Tron light cycle and it was disappointing and it was somewhat com- embarrassing also, when it's not working with the whole thing put it on, now, mind you, there are two cues for boarding guests, but it, it takes a while to get a guest in right, and if it's not in right, we have to take you off, and that slows down the theoretical hourly ride capacity. Although it seemed to me that there were more, um, no, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, now, here, here's the good news, on the backside, of some of the trains is a ride vehicle that is similar to a ride vehicle you would be on on Big Thunder. It's, it's a box-like shape thing. And it sits in the back of the train of the light cycles. So you'll be able to ride it that way. And you'll be able to see it and experience it. But doing it there will be a very different experience. Now, the second time I came to Shanghai Disney, shed some pounds I got on it, rode it several times, and man, it really is cool to ride that bike. It is very cool. Riding at night doubly cool. Very very cool. But that is the whole ride system is and it was a fairly smooth ride too. Um again, much like Hagrid's. But again, the again the the hourly ride Capacity is going to be more of a struggle at Tron because of trying to get people on and off um, those cycles. It's not intuitive that you just pull down your bar. You got to latch in and it's very cool, but it's not intuitive. And therefore it takes a little longer. As an element addition to Tomorrowland, oh my gosh, so beautiful. It will be so beautiful at night it will change the way Tomorrowland looks um, dramatically. And that's very exciting. Now I will say um, one more thing about my experience at Epcot and Cosmic Rewind Mission Space. And I may save this for a future podcast um, when I'm joined up with a few others who have written on it. How does this shape your experience going to Epcot. I myself go to Epcot 95% of the time. It is usually after four or five in the afternoon and it's for the evening. I don't usually go there as a full daytime experience. I will tell you that the additions made and the additions still to be made makes me think, how can you get through Epcot without spending the full day? It's so cool. And there are so many things to do. It is coming back to a day in time when Horizons was there, when World when there were so many attractions to ride on, so many things to do and see. It is coming back to that moment. And that is a very exciting moment. To envision. Thank you for joining us for this Disney at Play podcast. We appreciate your being here and being tuned. If you like it, please go to your uh, go to iTunes and give us a positive rating or review. That helps us as the littlest podcast that could. Um, we really appreciate your support. Also, check out our uh, Patreon group, the Wayfinders Society, where we cherish and celebrate all things disney with some interactive tools they also it also helps you for as little as a helps us for as little as a dollar uh, a month to um to support this podcast and we really appreciate that so check that out again thanks for being with us in the words of sinbad's storybook voyage always follow the compass of your heart have a great day we'll see you real soon